I also want to make a quick rant about subtitles. That's actually how this episode started. Oh boy. In my head was subtitles and my pure disdain for turning on subtitles for movies. And this is just a joke. I'm not actually mad if you choose to turn on subtitles because I know people are going to message me about subtitles and say I only watch the subtitles. Well, fine. I don't like them because I feel like you, you do that? No, Zach, no! <laughs> yeah, I turn on subtitles most of the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Use your ears! Hello there. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Talk to me, Goose. Precious! You steal the Declaration of Independence. Fly so simple. I could do this all day. Are you watching closely? Welcome everybody to the One-Eyed Film Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Mossberg, and today we're going to be celebrating our one-year anniversary of the podcast, and to do that, I got Zach with me. Man, it's been it's been a journey. We had our summer break, obviously, so it wasn't quite like 52 episodes. We're not at episode 53. It's not actually been a year of the podcast. We had, we had a break, but this is the actual anniversary of the podcast, and I'm so excited. And along with our one-year anniversary, we've got a huge announcement. I should probably be wearing it, honestly. To go along with our one-year anniversary, we are launching our official first line of merch. That's right. We're excited to announce that right now. You can go to the description <laughs> and buy your own podcast merch and you can brag about having your own degree in animation even if you don't just because people get really annoyed wow. with that apparently this is the this is the hoodie with the massive logo on the back i love the big logo my co-hosts don't like the big logo for some reason but you got that on the back there are hoodies long sleeves t-shirts you got one little uh logo design where you can be a little more subtle or you can have the big logo on the back with either as someone with a degree in animation at the front or Bible equals bars on the front, which I really like the Bible equals bars version, but I also do have a degree in animation, so I choose to wear the as someone with a degree in animation hoodie. So there's also multiple different colors which you can choose from. They're very epic. Go get one. Go rep the merch. Do people still say that? I don't even know anymore. That's kind of a 2018 thing. <laughs> I, I tried to make it the cheapest possible for you guys. It's not for me to make profit. It's just so that you can wear something that is a part of the, the club, if you will. So go to the link down in the description and buy some merch. It's pretty epic. That's the announcement. That's the one year. That's how we're celebrating one year. We want to keep this going. It's a lot of fun. But, Zach, will you be getting merch? I will be. Okay, eventually. Yes. Just in time for Christmas. You can get all your family Christmas <laughs> merch. Um, yes. Have them all listen. <laughs> your grandma will love wearing Bible equals bars on her. Yes, my grandma. <laughs> she would love that sweatshirt. <laughs> Today, for our topic, we are going to be discussing why movies are broken, and as someone who has taken film classes for his degree in animation, and is very critical about movies and how they look and work and operate, I really am passionate about this, and I've just noticed a shift in how movies are made in the last couple of years, and I want to talk about that today, and it's a lot of different aspects. You even brought up some of your own while we were discussing this beforehand, Zach, and so let's start with, I think, one of the most obvious examples of this, and that's what a lot of people call the marvelization of movies. It's studios seeing that Marvel was popular, and so they assume that it's popular because of the jokes and comedy and witty banter, and not to consider that maybe they were just good stories. The The first 10 years of Marvel was more or less thriving because of good stories that happened to include witty banter and jokes every couple minutes. I remember, I believe, when Dune Part 1 came out, 
a reviewer was blasted for saying, don't go see this movie. It's so boring. I barely laughed once. And that's that's kind of what encapsulates this whole conversation that I want to have today. It doesn't have to be that. And obviously, I think that's an obvious example, but is Hollywood too far gone? Obviously, there are still good movies that come out, but it's it's dumbed down truth, more or less. Like the truth and goodness and beauty of the art that is movies. Movies and film and Hollywood and that type of culture is 21st century America's art. Whereas Michelangelo had sculptures, Da Vinci had paintings. I know I butchered Some art nerd is really upset at me for, <laughs> for generalizing those artists to just that. But you get my point. This is one of America's best used art formats. And so it's our way to tell stories, and it seems to be bastardized. Just just very dumbed down, almost like, I've said this before about Marvel, it's like dangling keys in front of a baby, and they just look at it because it's shiny. That's so many movies now is just quick comedy to keep you engaged, and, and shallow stories, because you, they don't think you actually care about that. And a lot of people do. Like, I, I love a good story. I love... A good action scene, especially, I think of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. For good story, I think of, I mean, it wasn't amazing, but I really appreciated Hunger Games and the Ballad of the Songbird and the Snakes that I saw this last weekend. Like, it wasn't out of the park, but it was pretty decent story. It wasn't deep, it was just pretty good. And it's sad that a pretty good movie can impress me now. But that's that's what a lot of Hollywood feels like right now. It's just... And maybe I'm thinking too much about action superhero movies, but I, I feel like I've talked too much. You go ahead. What are your, what are your thoughts on this, Zach? Well, as someone who took one online film class to fulfill his art credit, I do think Marvel is at the core of kind of how we've seen Hollywood declining. Have you seen the Dungeons & Dragons movie? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it it is a really great movie, but it doesn't really feel much like a fantasy film in tone. It feels just, it, it does feel a lot more like a Marvel film in banter and in wit. So it's just interesting to see how Marvel's kind of had its impact all over the place with film. And I feel like, you know, when we talk about like the Marvelization of Hollywood, you know, like Hollywood, Hollywood isn't saying what made these movies great. They're saying what made people laugh and what made people go ooh and ah. When what really made Marvel great is just, you know, the character-focused storytelling that we saw through those first three phases of the MCU, and I would say also in, like, going through Galaxy Volume 3 and a couple other later Marvel films, too. It's, like, it's not the bright colors and the action scenes that really make us enjoy the film. It's those deep character moments, and I think that's kind of spread across most of Hollywood at this point, where we see everything just bright colors and big action scenes instead instead of all these character moments and all these deep themes that are what really made movies great in the past. Yeah, another thing that I think about in comparing what Disney has done to movies and how others try and copy that is relying heavily on CGI. And there was a golden era mm. where CGI was used sparingly and only when you couldn't do something practically. I mean, obviously that was in the early ages of CGI when, when computers weren't as powerful. And then along comes the more popular 2000s movies where things are starting to look 
more believable, some things you don't even realize are CG, and then you get all the way to No Way Home. Specifically is just an example I think of. And the behind the scenes of Peter just walking down a street. And it was, I think there was one example where it was Tom Holland just walking up to a door that wasn't even the right door. The entire city and the entire street was was added in in post. When that could have easily been an on-location thing. Now, to be fair, that is probably an area where they saw they could cut costs because it was also a very expensive movie with how many actors were in it. Regardless, there was that scene, and then I believe there's another. There are there are a lot of scenes that people don't even realize are only CG. There is no actual actors in them. It's mocap, or it's even hand animated, mm-hmm. which is crazy. The the one I th- also think of is John Wick Four when they're doing the car chase around the the French architecture. Most of that. I believe 95% of that was CGI. They didn't actually... Of course, they can't actually do that with all those cars, but you can still try and do it in a controlled, like, section off that that landmark. And yet, it's cheaper, I admit, to do it in post, but at what cost? Now, I can appreciate that it looks really good, and I wouldn't have been able to tell if I didn't watch the behind the scenes, but it almost loses that authentic feel. Movies used to be on location everywhere. You didn't have a choice. And now it's just an easy out to get a green screen. I'm calling myself out here. I, I'm not, I can't afford this studio. <laughs> <laughs> I can afford a $30 green screen. This is a real bookshop behind me. <laughs> You're one up in me, man. But I'm not a movie studio. I can... I can cut corners like this because I need to. And maybe I'm maybe I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth. Like this is I I understand completely that that's where they would choose to cut costs. But I would also say that they're not looking enough at doing it practically. I believe for the Tenet plane crash, Nolan said that it would cost more to do it in CGI than it would to do it real or in, in live action. So maybe it's a case of not completely running the numbers. Or maybe it's just laziness. I, I obviously I can't change anything, but I think that's that's something that is a divide between old cinema and new cinema and why I think modern movies are broken. Is it's just a laziness and we've talked about it before, quantity over quality. If you don't have to ship your crew and cast and and tools and equipment out to the Savannah Desert to film Dune and instead do it in an enclosed area, that's gonna be a huge price difference. But you might lose that authentic feeling. And I think where we're seeing the divide is the people and directors, filmmakers, producers, whoever, whatever role you're in, the art over the industry. Unless you're an artist, you don't really get why you would make art. As an artist, someone with a creative mind, you understand that it's fun, you get enjoyment out of it. But a lot of people look at artists and say, you can't make money off of that. Why why would you choose to do that? And a lot of artists will say, just because it's my desire, it's what I want to do. It brings me joy. It brings other people joy, regardless of if it makes money or not. Now, obviously, you still want to have a business in the era, in the film industry. But thinking about um, the people who have made one big blockbuster and they could live off of that, like Daisy Ridley or John Boyega, they did three Star Wars films. They've done stuff on the side. They did, probably didn't need to. They got paid so much from being the main characters of the Disney Star Wars sequel trilogy. And yes, they are actors, but they also keep doing it probably because they enjoy it and they love it and they want to continue to invest in that. RDJ doesn't need to act another day in his life, probably even after Avengers or even Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> he didn't need to be in any of the other ones, but he did, partly because they needed him to be, but also because he likes to do it. Now he's kind of been like, eh, I don't need to do anything. But 
the ones who are focused on doing what they love and telling a good story, like Christopher Nolan, like Martin Scorsese, and others, that you just look at their name on the on the crew list, and you're like, I know this is going to be good, not because his name is attached to it, as as the only reason I want to go see The Fall Guy is because it has Ryan Gosling in it. Like, you can, you can associate a name with production value. That doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't mean The Fall Guy is going to be a good movie. But when I see a name like Christopher Nolan as the director, I know that Nolan has the art of filmmaking down, and he has put a bunch of effort into this movie, and I want to appreciate that. Whereas other directors might, like, probably almost any Phase 4 or 5 Marvel director, I would be like, you're just doing it because either you're a diversity hire, (laughs) to be honest, Or because you're you're just a director that they picked your name out of the hat to direct this movie. Not to say they're not qualified, but I don't know that they choose to invest themselves in the story and direct it. There's my little rant. I hope that all made sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as you were saying, I think uh, CGI and how we've seen it used is kind of one of the big reasons Hollywood's been declining. You know, it used to be we've seen it go from like an art style into a crutch. And like, you know, you watch the movie like Jurassic Park and you're like, wow, those dinosaurs look real. But now you watch a movie like Thor Love and Thunder where it's like, I mean, their costumes don't even look real half the time. It's just, yeah, CGI has just, CGI has just turned into this like major crutch and that's kind of one of the things that's been killing Hollywood. But what about production? Do you have any thoughts on production or is it just that you don't, is it just that I'm the nerd and no one actually cares about the production of movies like I do? (laughs) I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's good directors and bad directors. If that's what you're getting at, I mean, I think one. You know, you've got Nolan attached. It's gonna be a good movie. And yeah, I mean, I think it's we've definitely seen that change a bit. I think you know it used to be the whole like I'm gonna go see a Sylvester Stallone movie or you're gonna go see a Tom Cruise movie. Now I feel like people go to movies now for the director or the franchise mm. rather than kind of. You know, it's kind of like that whole just death of the movie star thing that both Quentin Tarantino and Anthony Mackie have talked about. Yeah, expand on that because you know a lot more of that dialogue that that they've talked about and they're they're right on. I'm surprised at how accurate Anthony Mackie of all people is about this type of stuff. Like he's a secondary character, now he's a main character, but he ha- understands cinema. But yeah, you know a lot more about those conversations than I do. Yeah, like here's the quote from Anthony Mackie. He said, "Like there are no movie stars anymore." Mm. Like Anthony Mackie isn't a movie star. The Falcon is a movie star. So the 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 evolution of the superhero has meant the death of the movie star. And I mean, this is something we talked about in our Is the MCU Dead episode too, but it's like, I mean, it's been great to see, I mean, Marvel had a great run and it's, I mean, it was really cool to see all those movies come together or anything, but kind of because of how good those movies were and everything, it's kind of that type of movie that he's referring to, you know, like way back when in like the 80s or whenever it was all like Sylvester Stallone or Denzel Washington and uh, other big Tom Cruise and other big movie actors. It's like you went to go see them, but now you're going to go see The Falcon or Captain America or Superman or Batman. You're going for the superhero rather than the actor, and that's just kind of been an interesting evolution to see in our culture. And it doesn't help that most of this generation, and by this generation I mean the generation under us, the kids, the teens, it doesn't help that most of that generation thinks every movie character is a guy from Fortnite. Like, they they really don't know 
they really don't know the act the actors and actresses just because they do just see characters they see captain america and iron man and and they they're enthralled with that and not who's playing them so maybe that's a naivety of childhood but i also see it as as what anthony mackie described it as the movie star not getting the attention and just just being the characters and that plays out with other things like Chris Evans in other movies that he's been in since Captain America. Like, you can't watch Knives Out and think that he's not a variant of Steve Rogers just because he has the same face. That's also probably another reason why movies are broken is because the freaking multiverse has ruined everything and just... it. it <laughs> man multiverse is so problematic in so many other ways but also even in simple things like that like an actor playing something different in a different movie that has no relation to the other and you still make the connection in your head it's dumb to me multiverse has ruined a lot of things for me at least you know we're kind of in this age of the multiverse right now it's like that's all marvel and dc is pumping out is multiverse films and projects and i mean i mean dc is mostly done with it now I and mean, they'll be starting fresh in the next couple of years mm -hmm. but i think it's not a problem with using the multiverse it's more like how it's used like i mean the spider-verse movies have done a great job at incorporating the multiverse and showing up just a bunch of different diverse universes and everything and just telling a great story with the multiverse but then you've got projects like multiverse of madness and the flash and even no way home to some extent where i mean that all they're using the multiverse for is is for fan service and just to bring back these actors so they can get more people in the theaters because they're like oh i know that guy from that movie from back then yeah i'm also reminded of this interview with uh timothy chalamet where he was talking about uh, a message he got from tom cruise and he says, he basically said in old Hollywood, you'd be getting dance training and fight training and nobody's going to hold you to that standard any day, standard today. So it's up to you. The email was really like a war cry. Yeah, and that's true for Hollywood today. You know, the actors, you know, they either have stunt doubles or there's CGI now. So less is expected from the actor. And I think that's kind of, I don't know. I think there was something more authentic and genuine, you know, in seeing Tom Cruise do all his stunts and Jackie Chan. And I mean, we do continue to see other actors do that type of training, but it's not as prominent anymore. And we just mostly see the actors do the dialogue and then they're replaced by a stunt double for the action scenes. And it's just not, not as genuine. Not as genuine is a good way to put it. I remember watching, I believe it was a quarter digital video of Stuntmen React. And in this case, it was Stunt Women React. Looking at fight scenes, ones that the stunt women, stuntmen had did. And this one stunt woman said that she had a stunt where she, I believe there was a car in a low ceiling building. And she had to do a, she had to jump on a, onto a trampoline and twist herself between that small gap about two feet, I think. And she practiced that over and over and slowly closed the gap and just got better and better at it. And then she was supposed to do like a twirl and sword slash or something on the other side. She did it. They did multiple takes, just normal, normal business, just getting it done. And then when she watched the movie, she realized that they cut about five times during that one stunt. So she had spent months of her life learning that stunt, among others, and they just replaced her with it because the quick cuts was the style they wanted. 
And she just explained how that used to be how you would do it. You would have the old movies, you would have the very wide shot of stunts, whether it was uh, a Tom Cruise jumping across a large gap or something, or a longer take. It was either a wide shot or a longer take to have confidence in your actors or stuntmen. It didn't really matter if you had stuntmen or, or actors, but confidence that they could do it well and it would look cool. Instead of leaning on digi doubles, CGI, and bad editing to try and make it look hype. And that's also something you remember from the old, old movies, the Jackie Chan or the even just the Japanese movies of minutes long fight scenes without cutting because they would just practice so much and just know their marks and hit their shots and all that stuff and just go at it. And it was so cool because they knew their stuff and using all these cuts and stuntmen in place of something that an actor could easily do or just a straight up digi double where no one gets hurt. Where there's no risk to anyone. It's just so safe. Hollywood right now is so safe. It's not risk-taking. Some of it comes with maturity of, a, of an industry. You know, they, you want to be safe when you're doing these stunts. Unless you're Tom Cruise, who just th decides he's going to motorcycle off of, a, off of a cliff. But even that, Tom Cruise <laughs> understands authenticity of a stunt. And knows that the coolest ones are the ones you do for real. Yeah, it's, it's an art that's been lost not even loss, it's just unappreciated and disvalued. And it comes with, I believe, a relativity to our way of thinking of truth, goodness, and beauty, which is art. It is valuable when there's effort put into it. When it's just quantity over quality yeah. and your quality drops majorly, you're going to see that in the reaction. You're going to be like, oh, that wasn't that... You're not even going to get the thought of that wasn't that cool. The audience is just going to be numb to it. The confidence is what a lot of good filmmakers have. They're confident in them themselves, they're confident in the people they hire, and that's why Nolan decided to just drive a plane into a hangar, because he knew it would look cool. He just had the confidence that it had to go right, and he, there was so much risk in something like that, and yet he was willing to take it because of all the calculations they had done, sure, but for the sake of a cool movie moment that would be impactful and be a trailer moment and be a, a big seller for the movie. It's the things that Hollywood values in movies right now is so lacking. They, they value fan service over a well-written story. It turns into the old Disney shows where just a random celebrity would pop up in, in Drake and Josh or something and just, oh, hey, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> it's turned into that over just maybe including that character but writing them well into the story. It's not the inclusion of the character that's the problem. It's how they show up. How they're in? Are they even necessary for the story? Does it even make sense? I, I I think of the book of Boba Fett and Cad Bane. It wasn't a bad inclusion, but I don't think that Cad Bane was written that well. Boba Fett wasn't written that well. There was a lot of stuff wrong with that show. But my point stands. Sometimes um, I even forget Cad Bane was in this show. <laughs> yeah, he makes a joke about a nose, which is funny because he doesn't have one. Ha 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 ha! Remember that. So. I know I'm ranting a lot in this episode, but I would hope it's valid thoughts. I would hope I'm, I'm accurate in what I'm, I'm mm -hmm. externally processing, you know? Yeah, I like what you were saying about how, you know, like cuts and CGI kind of show the laziness of Hollywood in fight scenes. And I think back to the first time I was watching Daredevil, Moon Knight was coming out at the same time. And just watching those fight scenes in Moon Knight, it's just like it doesn't feel real compared to what I was watching in Daredevil. Because in Moon Knight, it was all just the cuts and the CGI. But then in Daredevil, it's like the actual, like, you know, like he was like a 13 minute long one shot scene. 
fight scene in season three and it's like that just feels oh the one shots a lot more real and authentic than all yeah that show had some great one shots i mean this is like the third episode where i'm praising daredevil but it's just that's just because it's so good and yeah it's just daredevil i mean you can tell they put time and effort into daredevil and i mean you can tell they put something into moon knight because it was still it was still pretty good but it's just not the same as the quality that they put into Daredevil. It was okay. It was good. It was alright. Again, about the long shots. I just watched a video about Unbreakable and M. Night Shyamalan and his intensity with holding shots. Holding a view to to let the actor act. To let everything sink in and to also... Like, you don't have cuts in real life. If you're watching two friends talk, you're not actively moving your face to look at each one of them you understand the context of them talking to each other just by standing in front of them and instead of doing a shot to shot which is what i mean it's a filmmaking technique it's not wrong to use the cut between two people use looking over their shoulders but using the long takes to again have confidence in your actors to memorize their lines and to let them act let them be the character and let them show what that character is feeling i'll, I'll link that video in the description because the guy goes through multiple different examples of what Shyamalan used in unbreakable and other movies to enhance the story through confidence in his actors and through his cinematography. And it's I think that has also that also has a connection to attention spans. I think it's a well-known fact that by this point that our generation has very short attention spans. But but with short form content being the way it is and us just needing to constantly be fed dopamine hits, long movies with long shots are not as interesting to our generation because we need to get another joke in to get even just a cut in. Whereas, back to Unbreakable, the average shot length is like a minute and a half. It's almost unheard of. You want to continue to cut so that it, your, your, your movie doesn't get dull, yes. But if, it's, if you're using it well, you can have a long, unbroken take that's very artful and purposeful. A lot of this is complaining. That isn't going to change anything. I don't have the magic power to just make all of Hollywood do better. But it's just being aware of what is our entertainment full of and how is it being made? Is it being made to get more money out of your pocket because it has Luke Skywalker in it, even though Luke Skywalker is technically 70 years old now? He's not. Mark Hamill is. Luke Skywalker can be de-aged and CG'd and whatever. Is that how they're getting their your money? Or are they getting your money because it's worth seeing and you're going to get enjoyment out of it just as much as they got enjoyment putting effort into it to get that result. And maybe that's just me speaking as a creative, but that's something that I get. You, the creative puts effort into the project so that others can get enjoyment out of it. There's enjoyment on both ends. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a direct graph of the more enjoyment you put into it, the more likely it is that others will get enjoyment out of it. If you don't enjoy it and you're just doing it for the paycheck, then the other people won't, won't enjoy it. I'm generalizing a lot, I admit, but I think it's a valid, valid conversation to have. I think another big question is, have we kind of, as a culture, forgotten how to enjoy movies? I think, mm, you know, it's kind of the movie going, the movie going culture has gotten to be like very divisive in modern times. And I think it's like, you know, you can get attacked online for saying a movie's good or for saying a different movie's bad. And I think the greater question should be is just like, did you enjoy the movie? I don't like I personally enjoy Venom and I know you say you enjoy the Fast and Furious movies and I think we can both agree <laughs> that neither Venom or Fast and the Furious 
are either really that good of movies, but it's like, I mean, you can still have fun with them. Yeah. And if someone likes, like, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, or if someone likes Spikes, I don't think <laughs> they should necessarily be harshly judged just because they enjoy it. I, yeah. I, I mean, we can acknowledge some movies are good and some movies are bad, but I don't think we should be yelling at people for liking a movie. Exactly. And it's kind of just our culture being uptight, and it's so crazy, yeah. the relativity of truth in our culture of you can believe whatever you want unless you disagree with me then you're wrong it's so funny even regardless of <laughs> political religious issues just what you said movies like if you let's say we were that type of relationship of that type of friendship of and i said i liked fast and furious and you were like that those movies are garbage you shouldn't like those i'm like i'm not saying they're good I'm, it's a respect of enjoyment does not equal good but also understanding that I can still have fun with it, with something like that. I actually was just watching a video right before we recorded titled, Is the R Rating Overrated? And I'll link it into the, in the description, but it's an interesting 15-minute video about why people get so uptight and already judge a movie by its rating, especially PG-13 to R. He uses the example of Dunkirk, where it's PG-13 war movie, and yet it was criticized for not being R because it didn't show what war should be, the the gruesome Hacksaw Ridge, Saving Private Ryan versions of war. And yet the creator who made the video said the tension in Dunkirk is equal, if not greater to, that of a war movie without showing anything and without explicit language. Same with The Dark Knight. Making The Dark Knight R probably would not have added a lot more than a few more F-bombs and a little bit of blood. It's still intense in themes. And this this could be a whole conversation and episode in and of itself. And the, the video is great. I, I'd highly encourage you to check it out. But presuming and making assumptions about a movie just because of a rating is one of those things where I think I would put the label, movies are broken. And I also think that, side note, I think that the rating system needs to be overhauled. It's so bare bones and vague and also unclear. I have a feeling that's a different, different episode for a different day. Just had to throw that in here. I also want to make a quick rant about subtitles. That's actually how this episode started. Oh boy. In my head was subtitles and my pure disdain for turning on subtitles for movies. And this is just a joke. I'm not actually mad if you choose to turn on subtitles because I know people are going to message me about subtitles and say I only watch the subtitles. Well, fine. I don't like them because I feel like you, you do that? No, Zach, no. <laughs> Yeah, I turn on subtitles most of the time. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. Use your ears! <laughs> sorry. I understand some... Okay, the only time I'll, I'll allow it is on your second watch of Tenet, because that movie is so terribly mixed. But that is an exception, because movies are meant to be mixed well. And mixed as in music, sound effects, and dialogue all sound good together. And I think part of it is a training to choose not to pay attention to the to the sound and the dialogue, but also a laziness and not actually like I don't know. I'm I'm presuming a lot about you guys because <laughs> I don't use subtitles. I do turn them on once in a while just to if I missed a word. I like to not be reading the movie. I want to be watching the movie. That's my that's my thoughts. You can defend you yourself really quick. It seems like some movies just have like weird mixes today though. I mean it's something I notice more and more often, you know. It's like the the action scenes and the explosions are all really loud, so you turn your TV <laughs> down, but then when it's to the dialogue, you just kinda like 
wait, what are they saying? I can't hear them. So I feel like that's why I use subtitles most of the time. It's just so I can keep it at the same volume instead of having to like change the volume depending on the scene. I just always have my volume on high, so ah. <laughs> <laughs> I just have, I'm deafened by the explosions and then I can hear what they're saying and I don't need to read it as though I'm reading a book. Mm. I don't read books. I watch movies. Petty Petty. There's a new shirt right there. <laughs> I don't read books. I watch movies. I read movies and watch books. New shirt books. coming out soon. There you go. Ah. I'm surprised at how many... Not I, I shouldn't say I'm surprised. This whole podcast is just an outlet for me to rant. <laughs> but a lot of our episodes turn out to be rants. If you really want a rant episode, go listen to our sequels episode where Isaac and I just let it all out about the sequels. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad I got this off my chest. I've been thinking about it for a long time. And it's good, good stuff to talk about. But seriously, if you have any thoughts, leave them in our Discord. We have a lot of good conversation over there. Follow all our socials on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. YouTube, we have video episodes. If you're listening on Spotify, that's cool. But also, you can see our faces. Maybe in lower resolution, depending on yes. if our cameras actually are any good. <laughs> Share this with your friends. Buy some merch. That's I think that's pretty cool. I, I mean, I'm proud of it because I'm the creator. Don't but buy like, that merch. It, it, it's it's showing other people what what you listen to and and it gets the word out i've already had two people ask me in like a day of having it of like what's that and i'm like oh it's my podcast like it's it's good stuff man it's it's all worth it i promise you so go get your merch follow our socials and share with your friends thank you so much for listening or watching have a great rest of your day know that you are loved god bless see ya